0: Our company is pretty well known for its thought leadership on a lot of different things from like, you know, market trends and um, just kind of those sorts of things. But I love the human story. And so I think some of your some of your better testimonials are not from the fact that you've got, you know, more clients than anybody else or you're the biggest, baddest person in town. But the, the fact that you can connect to individuals and impact them. Welcome to the Placemaking Podcast, Podcast,
1: the show geared at helping real estate developers learn and understand important aspects of the development process while improving communities one at a time. Each week, we'll discuss major facets of the real estate development process with industry professionals. Now, here's your host, Matthew Lowe's. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of the Placemaking Podcast. I am excited to share this next conversation with all of you. This week, I have Jamie Lindbergh on the show. Jamie works as an advertising and sales consultant at CoStar and LoopNet in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. She also hosts a podcast called Upbeat Urbanism, which we will discuss more about here in a bit. The firm she works with, CoStar Group, has been around since 1987. Their mission is to create efficiency and transparency in commercial real estate. They offer real estate firms comprehensive, objective, reliable information. They have also expanded into operating some of the most active internet marketplaces for buying and selling commercial real estate, apartments, businesses, and even land. They have been committed to excellence in creating the most inventive and insightful company in the commercial real estate industry. Now to discuss her passion project, the Upbeat Urbanism Podcast. The mission of her show is to create healthy, intentional, sustainable communities, one conversation at a time. I believe she is well on her way to achieving her mission. She really has a way with really connecting with guests on her show. Not to mention the guests that she picks to join her lead extremely interesting lives and many of them hold roles within some facet of commercial real estate. I've provided a link in the description below for you to check out. So in this episode, we're going to discuss how Jamie got started at CoStar Group. Certain principles she finds important with connecting with not only clients, but other people in general and tons of interesting real estate news in and around the Oklahoma City area. So as always, if you have enjoyed the show, please subscribe to the show, and I'd love if you share with your friends. There will be more exciting conversations on the shows to come. So without further ado, let's start the show. Hey, welcome to the show, Jamie. Glad to have you on.
0: (laughs) Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, of course. I'm a big fan of the show, uh, your show. I've listened to quite a few of them and I think you bring a lot of fun to the to the podcasting world, so I appreciate that. Thank you. You're one of my
0: <laughs> my dozens of listeners. This
1: <laughs> Don't be modest. <laughs> <laughs> I was hoping you could give me a little bit more about your background. Uh, with with costar just personally and then let's kind of bridge into the podcast and how the kind of the genesis of that
0: nice well so i started at costar 10 and a half years ago and my background is actually in marketing and advertising so the job that i got there was as a research photographer and costar for those of your listeners who don't know is a commercial real estate database And I had the lovely job of being the person in Oklahoma who would drive the market and photograph property and (laughs) and count parking spaces and whatever and put that into our database. So I I built out um, I think I would add somewhere in the neighborhood of like a million square feet a month into our database. And I would. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So I've I've physically driven the market probably hundreds of times in my career, and you know gave me like a really interesting insight into commercial real estate, just because you know that's kind of the background that a lot of people used to have in this industry. You know before Mm -hmm. we had technology and before people used CoStar for it, um, a lot of you know brokers and developers and things they would drive the market to get a sense of it, and they would keep their own internal databases. So, as nerdy as it sounds, there's a lot of people that I share that history with. So, and I did that for about seven years. And I'll tell you, one of the main uh, reasons that I started uh, a podcast was kind of an offshoot of the fact that I was alone in a Prius <laughs> <laughs> for seven years, yeah. collecting data and not talking to anybody except for myself. And so I listened to a lot of audiobooks and I studied the market. Uh, but I, you know, was very antisocial, which is hard for somebody with my
1: personality. Very social. <laughs> yeah.
0: So um, I think it was like 2014 that I, no, could have been that. 2016, whoo, that <laughs> I um, uh, went into a role of a client relationship manager. And so really, it's just a consultant for our existing clients. And I would travel like, five states, eight markets, so all of Oklahoma, all of Arkansas, and then some, you know, little towns around there. And um, I had about 1300 clients. And my entire job was just to be face to face with people and help them with whatever it was that they were working on, you know, banks and uh, retailers, developers, brokers, appraisers, you know, city chamber organizations, I got to meet a ton of people. So it was like polar opposite of um, what I was doing before where I was just completely by myself and now I was like making up for lost time, I
1: guess. Yeah. So that was
0: really fun. Um, and then I, um, went into sales last year, uh, same kind of job, but I didn't, uh, have to travel <laughs> as
1: much, right. Right. um,
0: but the podcast started, oh, uh, the idea for it started a long time ago just because a lot of the consultations I would have with people, I would always say, God, I wish there was a fly on the wall for this conversation because whoever I was talking to and a lot of them were clients, but a lot of times I was just getting to know people in in the industry. And I always thought it was so fascinating kind of the context behind what they were doing and what motivated Mm -hmm. them and just the human element to uh, economic development and real estate and kind of how it all works together. Mm -hmm. And so, um, kind of just went from there. It wasn't really a corporate thing. It was just a me thing. I wanted to just right. talk to people <laughs> and record it. And, um, and so my first ever episode was with the mayor of Oklahoma City, David Holt. Um, And I I was petrified.
1: <laughs> I
0: never, you know, all the things. That's a big that you-
1: first guest.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> And I'd never met him before, you know, personally, I met him at events and things, but I had never met him and had a conversation with him. And it was shortly after one of his state of the market addresses um, that he had done talking about his, you know, mayoral focus and what he was trying to work on and, and you know, things like that. And so thankfully, he's a pro and he just carried the entire conversation. <laughs> and I, I really had to do very little interaction with him but he was super nice and super funny. And I think it, even for, you know, city government or um, even state government or beyond just having a face or a person behind it and being able to Mm -hmm. relate to them was really interesting. So, but yeah, it's, it's not necessarily about that upbeat urbanism. So really anything that uh, would be considered positive for the community. So Mm -hmm. I would focus a little bit on, development and uh, projects that are going on and that kind of thing. But then, you know, I've had folks on that were uh, directors of local charity organizations, or I had a a local rapper who is an Emmy Award winning rapper, who also, though, is involved in a lot of community outreach programs for teenagers on financial literacy and he's a franchise owner and he's a, you know, retail tenant and an entrepreneur. And so I, you know, fascinated with local people who are doing well. So, um, uh, it's been a fun ride. Yeah. <laughs> I miss it.
1: <laughs> yeah. You, you're, uh, you're kind of unmasking all those people, uh, that, that people don't always get to talk to. Like you're saying the, the mayor, most people don't don't have a sit down fireside chat with the mayor so that, you know, being able to have those conversations kind of candidly. um, I mean, it's, it's hard to have it too candid with the, with the microphone, but you know,
0: I have had some people get in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) I was, I have a legal disclaimer at the beginning that, Mm -hmm. you know, these are my ideas and opinions and I'm just sassy and opinionated by nature. So you know, apologies for who I offend in advance. But um, I, one of my favorite interviews was with um, a local redeveloper slash developer uh, with the Pivot Project, Jonathan Dodson. And he's just a fascinating human being, has a great outlook on life, and just his perspective is so unique. And um, he does some of the coolest projects around town. Um you know, redevelopment of old buildings and all the cool places that you would want to hang out. Like yeah, if you think of any cool bar or venue or restaurant or something in a really trendy area of town, he was probably responsible for its. Was he, you know, was
1: he the one that uh, it was a uh, shipping containers? Oh, uh, that,
0: no, that's Richard no. McCowan. Okay. Richard McCowan is also a very fascinating individual. Uh, we have lots of those in this industry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, Exuberant. <laughs>
0: yes. yes, don't don't uh, lack in personality, that's for sure. Hey, yeah. uh, no, Jonathan was on and he was asking, you know, is it a is it my show a PG 13 show or you know? And I said, I I don't know very many people who are under the you know legal age who may care <laughs> to know about urbanism, so I think right. you're probably pretty safe. And he said that his son had listened to it without his knowing, Uh-oh. and so he's, they were talking once and he said, "Well, Daddy, you cuss." He's like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> so "I've heard you on your on that podcast." <laughs> he was like, "Busted." <laughs> yeah.
1: So let so. that be, be a lesson for. <laughs> yes. future Kids are
0: always watching. <laughs>
1: yes, Even when you think they're not. So, I was going to get into that here in a minute, but is that your favorite episode that you
0: Probably. I mean, I think the um, I've had several of my like really good friends on the show, and so um, just being able to have conversations with them has been super cool. And it's always hilarious. I mean, I never know what's gonna happen. I just usually don't have a plan. We just fly by the seat of our pants, and so. Um, but I love the conversation that came out of Jonathan's, and I learned so much. Like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I'd already seen him speak, and i I'd, I'd heard several of the points that he'd even discussed, and what we were. Talking about. And then since then, though, it's just completely expanded a lot of my ideas about how we build communities. And um, he turned me on to a book called The Color of Law, which is right here in my, <laughs> my office. Huh. Color of Law in my office. So, um, but it's the forgotten history of how our government segregated America, but it's about zoning codes and oh, wow. pretty much every piece of real estate and know the lending industry and a lot of it is tied back to some somewhat uncomfortable past decisions of ours right and it's really shaped a lot of communities especially you know communities where you're seeing a lot of polarization and we really feel that now Mm -hmm. um especially and so he was the first person that kind of um turned me on to that and since then i've been you know, I've, I've been giving unsolicited advice to anybody that comes on the show (laughs) about
1: books they should read or. Oh yeah. Perfect. So do you have any others that you want to share?
0: Um, well, there's a couple of cool ones. Let me see. I've got some of them back here. There's a really cool book about Oklahoma city called Boomtown. So if you've, um, if you are ever curious about the epic history of (laughs) a city that was founded during a land run Mm -hmm. it's pretty interesting so um and it goes through a lot of like the city building kind of aspects of it too so i I always found that really interesting so
1: yeah well i said this before we started the show but i haven't really i don't really know a whole lot about oklahoma city i've visited a couple times and as bad as that sounds but we one of my previous employers had an office there in Bricktown and I got to visit that and it kind of opened my eyes to Oklahoma city a little bit more and listening to your podcast, I kind of get to get a good feel for different (laughs) areas, different pockets that are growing for, for next time you guys are just up the road from me. So come on up. We love
0: (laughs) Um, it is really interesting. A lot of people uh, I work really closely with the chamber and um, a lot of people who are considering, you know, either it's corporate relocation or, you know, these companies that are looking at other markets or expansions or things like that. And Oklahoma city might not have ever made their short list, but we are a very affordable place to do business. And so a lot Mm -hmm. of people will consider us for that reason. That's kind of our strongest card to play yeah. um but then once they get here they're like "Holy oh, crap i didn't know this is what oklahoma city was like and <laughs> thought it was just, you know a dust bowl or teepees and then you know people riding horses which i will say yeah. um, when i first moved here about uh ten and a half years ago because i moved here for the job from tulsa and oh, okay. um and so i and i would have never really seen one of the interesting parts about the way that we live our lives now is that a lot of people drive you know when we are not uh isolating ourselves at home but when you're you know (laughs) you are working somewhere you usually you know leave your house you go to work you park in the parking garage you may or may not leave
1: yeah
0: come back pull in the garage don't talk to anybody and um and I didn't have that, you know, whenever I was researching the market, I was literally driving every single square inch and seeing, you know, the differences and studying it, kind of observing. And there are some towns around Oklahoma City where it definitely lives up to the stereotype where I saw somebody riding a John Deere tractor to the local bar or someone. What's wrong someone with that? <laughs> I mean, I can only imagine. Um Saw somebody on a horse in a drive-through at a fast food restaurant. So, I mean, wow. we are renegades here.
1: <laughs> so. I feel like it's very, very similar to Fort Worth here. It's kind of got um, the same, same characters yeah. for the most part. Yes, I
0: although I think you guys have way better uh, dancing venues and and things like that. I mean,
1: honky tonks. Yes, yeah. we've got a couple. <laughs> And That's uh, one of the so what do you, what do you <laughs> honky talk. <laughs> I was gonna say what uh what other aspects of Oklahoma City do you think uh people are drawn to? You know, I, I'm curious, just like I know there's a lot of unique areas and mm-hmm. um, obviously there's a couple good schools around mm-hmm. that probably help.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I think our our universities are a draw. Um, Mm -hmm. For sure. I think that um, we have done a really good job ever since. Just really interesting. After the bombing in 1995, we had this kind of opportunity to rebuild. And Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that led to one of the first um, districts that was redone, which was um, Automobile Alley, which is along Broadway, just north of downtown. Um, that was There were several buildings that were within the blast zone. Mm-hmm. And so there was a um, kind of a fund that came about after the Oklahoma City bombing. And those property owners could use that to really redevelop those properties. And so that was really the first district that took off. Mm-hmm. And it was because of an unfortunate event, but it was also something that kind of gave us an identity that we didn't have before.
1: Sure. And so a history um, kind of. Made, yeah. Made it a little more interesting. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, um and from that, you know, Bricktown, which you mentioned earlier, um, was started kind of in like the late 1990s and really was an old warehouse district that someone just, you know, dug out and put a, put a canal through it and was created out of whole cloth, um, which a lot of great tourist districts are. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we our downtown area actually has a lot of different neighborhoods that have a very distinct feel to them. We've got Film Row, which is over on the west side of downtown. But a lot of um, a lot of the old movie theaters in the 20s and 30s had a presence, like Paramount. You know, had a presence in Oklahoma City, and they would film a lot of their movies here. Mm-hmm. And so that history is still there because there's a lot of buildings that are still uh, on that side of town that are super cool, um, oh. and lots of development going on there. We've got a really cool venue called the Jones assembly
1: okay. that
0: is a concert venue slash restaurant bar kind of thing. But it's, you know, in that general area and a lot of, it's one of those kind of places that the young folk are <laughs> to to drop to. And, uh, but it's something that's cool. You would never really expect Oklahoma city to have like a hip music scene, but we've got yeah. all these really um, niche little venues that um, people enjoy and uh, kind of all over town. And that's kind of, I think, not unique to us, but we've definitely figured out how to give different um, areas of town an identity and a personality. So it's made the redevelopment process really fun for a lot of my colleagues.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Is there actual districts in mm-hmm. Oklahoma City? Is that, yep. yeah, it's actually separated. So,
0: yeah, we've got um, Bricktown, where your old office was. Um, or I don't know if they're still there or not, but um, I think
1: so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> where their office is. And then, uh, which is mostly an entertainment zone. And it's kind of interesting because it's become something that's more for tourists now and less for locals. But that's mm-hmm. kind of slowly changing. we um, just north of that is Deep Deuce, which has kind of a historic um, African-American presence and was kind of considered our Black Wall Street, some of the most wealthy individuals in the 20s and 30s lived in that neighborhood and it was very vibrant at the time um, but then kind of some of the things that they talk about in the,
1: in the book, yeah. law.
0: <laughs> yeah. um, you know new highways coming in and people being forced to relocate and that kind of thing kind of um, led to a little bit of a downfall for that neighborhood and so it's kind of starting to come back a little bit that's richard mccallan's um, stomping grounds where he okay the shipping containers and all that kind of stuff. So he's been on the forefront of making that more like, um, he calls it Sesame street, but more like a community. And we lived there for a while. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Why is that?
0: Um, Just, just where, you know, your neighbor and you know, you're on your front porch and there's a cast of characters that are all different, but you know, United. And so I think he, I don't know what Muppet he thinks that he is, but he's (laughs) fascinating.
1: Um,
0: but we have Automobile Alley, which a lot of car manufacturers had presence there. And so you've got these really cool six and seven-story buildings that um, used to be for manufacturing. Uh, Midtown, which is just a super nice area. Um, downtown, obviously. And then uh, Film Row. And then we, not recently, but somewhere around the same time that um, the bombing happened, we passed maps. Um, so some municipal projects that were funded by... Penny sales tax, and mm-hmm. what's fascinating about that incentive is that to convince a bunch of Oklahomans that are very anti-tax
1: <laughs> to yeah. pay
0: more taxes for, um, you know, public and private projects, um, well, public projects, but they were um, they've definitely incentivized some private development. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, but for those, you know, people who contributed to that first map, they were really responsible for Bricktown and that resurgence. Giving our downtown an identity. Um, we did maps for kids, and so they redid a lot of, um, kind of failing or crumbling schools. And then maps three was done. Um, I don't know the exact dates, but the projects that that funded, um, are now coming online. So we have a new convention center downtown, a new convention center hotel. Um, we have the scissor tail park, which is uh, I want to say an 80-acre park, but I could be making that number up, but it's large.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a large park, yeah.
0: A large park um, in the heart of downtown, and then we also put in a streetcar system that oh, loops really? around downtown and Bricktown, and then there's another loop that goes from downtown to Midtown. And so um, really putting in public infrastructure before it's really needed. Uh, Oklahoma yeah. City is not really known for uh, its usage of public transportation unless it's right. – you have to do so um that part's been really cool and uh then there's some beautification projects and stuff that have come from that and then we just passed maps 4, um where there were a lot more projects um that the money was going to be kind of divvied among and they were a lot more social service related so um homeless shelters and domestic abuse shelters and um some of those other folks in town that could use it for capital improvements so All
1: right. pretty uh, cool there's a lot going on <laughs> it's, wow it's,
0: it's one of those things where um you know a lot of cities have to figure out how to raise money for you know the things that need to be done that in a lot of other cities might have been taken care of by like a rich benefactor or a couple of you know really wealthy companies or something and we mm-hmm. did have a little bit of that during the oil boom we had several oil and gas folks that brought the thunder to Mm -hmm. Oklahoma city, which is even more controversial, Um, (laughs) which the thunder has been great for our our city as well. Um, But yeah, it's outside of like a wealthy benefactor, you have to figure out some way and like Tulsa um, for example, is just knocking it out of the park in terms of, um, you know, projects that are going on in the city that are redeveloping it. But most of it's coming from the George Kaiser Family Foundation. So mm. they just built the Gathering Place, which is won a million awards and uh, most recently won the ULI Global uh, Development Award for this past year. But an yeah. enormous park that's completely free that he paid for and has an endowment to keep it up, and it's gorgeous.
1: So wow. um, must be nice, right?
0: Everyone <laughs> needs a George Kaiser.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Their own George Kaiser. Yes. Wow. So. I I love the big, big, sexy projects like you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Are there any like small ones around town that, you you know, that kind of go along with your urbanist uh, podcast, you know, that kind of flying under the radar, but are kind of trendy places that you've fallen in love with? Well, I don't know
0: if they're they're under the radar, um, but there are lots of very interesting projects that are going on here. Um, one of which I'm living in. It's a living experiment for me, but um, the Wheeler district is a new urbanist community that is just south of downtown. And we moved here last October okay. and it is a neighborhood where, you know, the houses are all geothermal. They're a lot smaller footprint, but it's very specifically designed. All the houses are really close together and so, like my street, for example, um, you can like reach out and touch your neighbor, like literally. Oh wow! Literally. Are um, they
1: like shotgun homes, like New Orleans well, style shotgun, or no, the, <laughs> one
0: of our one of our main architects is Sam Day, and he did an outstanding job giving you know there's there's a range of home types here. So, but the point being, like a lot of master plan communities have. Mm-hmm these pockets of homes that are the same kind of value Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: just for, you know, reasons unbeknownst to me, that's become the way that we value single family homes is, you know, keeping nice homes by nice homes and the smaller homes by the smaller homes. And um, I think that Blair Humphreys and the whole Humphreys crew really had, which I had them on the show too, but um, they definitely had a vision for, you know, changing the way that we are neighbors. Yeah. And um, you know, I can see from across the street and even my next door neighbors are cottages that range in size from six hundred square feet to twelve hundred square feet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, having some more affordable options, but then the house on the end of the street is on the market right now for like seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. But you have and it's the same street. And so right. but you're out walking and playing and your kids get to know them, there's so much diversity and yeah. Um, so I think that it's Im- important to just have that environment to relate to. But on, a, I guess, a grander scope for them, um, it's a, it used to be an old air park. So um, the street that I'm on is called Runway. It actually used to be the, the runway of the airport. Oh, really? And, yeah. And so there's an the old... is the street? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, they have like one way, you know, one... Yeah. One way roads on either side, and then they have a little walking path in the middle of it. Oh, okay. Green sprays and trees and stuff, uh, which is really really cool. Um, we don't we have this big of a backyard, and my my <laughs> For everybody son. Everybody that can't
1: stuff. see. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a, <laughs> a little bit, yeah.
0: a little bit. And um, and he, my son, plays out in the front yard with all the kids. I mean, mm-hmm. this is the front yard is where everybody plays, so it's really cool. Um, but they've renovated the old terminal building into a restaurant and bar. And um, then they're building a brewery right next door uh, for a local brewery that used to just be out of a beer bus called the big friendly. And now they (laughs) have their first brewery, which is super cool. And then there'll be some offices and mixed use and a little uh, kind of a main street area where there's retail on the bottom floor and um, living units above it and everything's just in really close proximity. There's a nice park and there's a Ferris wheel at the end of the, um, (laughs) (laughs) there's a a Ferris wheel. That's kind of how most people know Wheeler district is because the Humphreys family, uh, Grant Humphreys is older brother. He's actually the developer of Carlton landing.
1: Okay.
0: Now I'm telling stories, but I did hear (laughs) this from him. So, um, but he, uh, he was on eBay one night and saw a Ferris wheel for sale that was from the Santa Monica Pier. No. Don't know why they were selling that Ferris wheel online at two o'clock in the morning, but he bought it. And
1: being involved. How
0: did that <laughs> I have no idea. I wow. cannot assume his state during this time. <laughs> um, but he, you know, they re- redid it. They um, refurbished it and brought it back here and put it on the south side of the Oklahoma river, you know, it's right there downtown. And so um, there's this nice like public park that's right in front of it with like hammocks and like a pavilion. And, you know, they have lawn equipment and stuff like games and things that people can play. And there's a nice trail system by the river. Um, but then they, you know, just have uh, these like Oklahoma city, OKC letters in front of it. It's become now a huge tourist destination.
1: Yeah.
0: So, like, I think second nice behind to <laughs> going to the bombing memorial, people from out of market are coming to the Ferris wheel. So it's, it's interesting.
1: Is it and yeah. Wow.
0: <laughs> so a season pass or a one time ride. And it's really fun. I think the, Um, the interesting part about it is it's a kind of um, amenity for the entire community. Mm -hmm. And so just South, this neighborhood, I mean, like just South um, is a very large uh, Latino population. And um, I think that they weren't really aware of how many people from that neighborhood would be utilizing this, you know, Ferris wheel in the public places and stuff. And so shortly after they kind of got started and launched, they had to make sure that all the people that were working there were bilingual because so many people were coming up from that neighborhood, which is awesome. Yeah. So it's definitely a community, um, uh, unifier for sure. But, um, other projects, I don't know, there's, uh, several of my friends are kind of doing some ambitious, uh, projects that I think anytime that you redevelop an old building, certainly in the in- infill area or downtown, um, you're biting off a lot. <laughs> And so, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so um, I think, though, we need to keep those projects alive. So I think part of my uh, part of my goal, I guess, for the podcast is for any lenders or any of my clients that uh, have historically used CoStar for you know underwriting and they would see one of these projects and be like, Meh, I don't know, pretty risky. I think they are able to see that these are the projects that really kind of define the area and give people a sense of community. So uh, if you um, I'm going to give an unsolicited piece of advice to your listeners, if they care to know anything else about Oklahoma City. Um, There's a blog called OKC Talk that has a lot of really cool um, commercial projects as soon as they come online. And uh, so I I've been stalking that page for a while just to see what's going on. (laughs)
1: That's awesome. Do you feel like the podcast has helped you professionally in any way, or has it just been kind of an outlet for you? Or it's definitely been an
0: podcast? outlet. <laughs> yeah. um, I think, I think it probably has. It wasn't really, I didn't set out for it to be something that would help me personally. Um, mm-hmm. but I, it's interesting. Um, you know, our company is pretty well known for its thought leadership on a lot of different things from like, you know, market trends and um, just kind of those sorts of things. But I love the human story. And so I think some of your some of your better testimonials are not from the fact that you've got you know, more clients than anybody else or you're the biggest, baddest person in town. But the, the fact that you can connect to individuals and impact them. Mm -hmm. and so um and even if the people i'm talking to aren't clients it doesn't really matter to me but i think um i think anybody who has someone pay attention to or care about what they do with their life with their day or projects they're working on i think just getting to pay attention to another human being for an hour is um really beneficial for me i hope it is for them
1: yeah it's that's one of the things i've had the most fun with is being able to talk to somebody on a more of a personal level rather than the professional level and kind of getting and hear that backstory like you're saying. Yeah. Uh it really those are really the most most interesting podcasts is when you when you start yeah. to unpeel some of uh, yes. the motives and and the thoughts and the emotions that went on.
0: hmm I yeah. think that's what really resonates with people anyway. I mean um I love getting to know people that I work with. And then just, you know, you can read about a project online or you can read about a development. I can even tell you until I'm blue in the face all the cool things there are about Oklahoma City. <laughs> but I think it's, it's our people that make a difference. And um, that is one of the things that, you know, from a marketing or PR standpoint, it's really hard for communities to like every chamber of commerce has the, the highlight reel of all the amenities and things mm. that make it special. But, you know, almost every community could have a convention center or a really cool hotel or restaurants that make them cool. And right. I think that um, just an understanding of who the people are, I think most people would, um, once they get here, realize that Oklahomans are a lot more warm than they thought. And, <laughs> and um i think we're also more open-minded than probably our perception might be and uh we really have had this kind of um insurgent of people who are moving into public office that are younger that are more diverse that come from like a different background than most so i think we're definitely shaking things up and um it's just fun to be a part of it
1: so Definitely. Trending up.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) Awesome. Well, I know you got a lot going on today, so I'm (laughs) going to let you get back to it. But I really appreciate your time.
0: No problem. Thanks for having me.
1: Definitely. Definitely. Looking forward to more episodes.
0: Oh, fingers crossed. We can get through this and I can start being in close contact or I'm just going to do this. And this is a great idea to chat with people. Um,
1: Better than nothing. Yes, (laughs)
0: Yes. <laughs> yes it is. So thank you.
1: Awesome. Well, we'll talk to you later then.